So it's a pleasure being here once again. And um, today, I would like to, to start a new topic. And it's based on abundant living. And the discussion will entail four valid reasons why one should give to God. And I've broken up those reasons into four reasons. Reason number one being the law of gratitude requires it. Reason number two, the law of ownership demands it. Reason number three, the life of abundant living is only maintained by the law of abundant giving. And lastly, reason number four, the law of love compels it. So brethren, all scriptures will be read from the King James Version Bible today. And this segment will be a little lengthy, not that long. But it will be a little lengthy today as I break down and give explanations as to those four valid reasons. So I'll start off by just giving a short introduction before I venture directly into the segment today. So I'll start. Now, man is a creature that loves to receive. While he usually thinks twice before he gives, except, of course, where giving would be a means of conditioning one's client for some present or future drawdown. This delight to be at the receiving end is true of the sinner as well as the saint, and this attitude is aptly demonstrated by what passes in some circles for prayer. In most cases, the typical Christian prayer consists in the main of a string of personal requests. In other words, the average Christian prayer is nothing more than the recital of the genealogy. Then there is the prayer for the offering. This can be aptly called the offering anthem, which more often than not, it goes like this. Bless those who give and those who did not have to give, that when they come next time, they will have to give. And the church responds with the usual, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, beloved brethren, it's about time we graduate out of those childish rhymes and be conformed into the body of truth so that we can bear some genuine Christian fruit. Moreover, brethren, if one were to sample that did not have to give bunch, one would soon discover that rather than not having to give, it is a matter of not being willing to give. Indeed, they refuse to give because they have not yet discovered the love walk nor the faith walk the faith talk, sorry. Now, this problem is not limited to a few, nor confined to the pew. Because of this weakness, therefore, the individual saint in particular and the church of Jesus Christ in general have suffered and continue to suffer financially and spiritually. But all is not lost, for by God's grace, a new breed of Christians is emerging, one which by holy living and scriptural giving 
will prosper in kingdom building. Therefore, to you, my brethren, my dearly beloved brethren, sometimes it would be rough and at times it may be tough. Do remember that one can give without loving, but no one can love without giving. And this can be easily seen and read once we understand John chapter 3, verse 16. Now, the secret of abundant Christian living has its foundation firmly rooted in the divinely created law of sowing and reaping. Moreover, when one considers the fact that this is the very law that God operates by, when he desires to increase his stocks, wisdom demands that we do all in our power to understand how this law works. For failure to understand sin would inevitably lead to dashed expectations in our quest to experience the Christ-promised abundant life recorded in John chapter 10, verse 10, and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Now, to prove that what was just shared, you know, the, the, the law that was just mentioned is what God operates in when he wishes to increase his holdings. Now, I will draw your attention to the fact that when God desired to populate earth, he used that said law. Now, the question one would ask, how did he use it? This is how he used it. He simply sowed a seed of his breath of life, an integral part of himself, into the earthen vessel which he formed. Then man became a living being in the likeness of God. So read Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 for confirmation. So brethren, we all know of the tragedy which followed Adam and Eve's disobedience and the resultant suffering and death which they bequeathed to humanity. That Eden tragedy, however, did not cause God to change his original plan of extending his family on planet Earth. Not at all. Now, since the law of sowing and reaping is a God-ordained law, which, when properly applied, would always produce the desired result, he sowed his most precious seed, Jesus Christ, who was his only begotten son, into this earth. And as a consequence of same, he has been able to bring many sons and daughters to glory. So that can be confirmed by reading Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. Now that we know that the law of sowing and reaping is what God used to multiply his stocks, we can rest assured that if one learns how that law operates, one can enter into and enjoy the life of abundance, which Christ promised us, but which so few enjoy today. Concerning the dynamics of this law of sowing and reaping, the following is indeed relevant. So the scripture, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, goes like this. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall never cease. So from this verse, therefore, 
we know that the law of sowing and reaping shall be operational as long as this earth exists. Moreover, since the law of sowing and reaping has a time element built into it, the wise man Solomon informed us accordingly when he wrote in Ecclesiastics chapter 3 verse 1, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now what this means is this. If you miss your sowing time, you have also postponed your own harvest. Another factor that impacts this sowing and reaping law is the quality of the seed, which one sows. In this regard, the following or often overlooked point is instructive indeed. And I'm reading from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, which states, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, if I should comment a bit on the verse that I just read, I would hasten to point out the following. In addition to the fact that we can expect to read the same kind of thing that we sow, we must never forget this fact that we always reap more than we sow. This is so because a mango seed, when sown, never produces a lone mango seed. It always produces a tree which has the capacity to bear thousands of mangoes. So by way of warning, therefore, please pay heed to the following quote. The seeds we sow in our youth, I'm told, would bear many fruits as we surely grow old. Some would be sweet, while others would be sour. And some would be poisonous, I'm told. So words of wisdom, make sure you sow the kind of seeds whose fruit you can delightfully enjoy as you grow old. Now the final point I would like to make is this. A good harvest does not only depend upon the quality of seeds which one sows. It is equally dependent on the type of soil in which one sows. Now, since the law of sowing and reaping is one of the dominant laws operating on planet Earth, one need not fear for one's harvest. All one needs to be concerned about is the type of seeds and the amount that one sows. For each seed, when sown, has the potential to produce its harvest. Because of this dynamism of this law, the Apostle Paul wrote the following to encourage us. And I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, which states, And let us not be weary in well-doing, which means sowing. For in due season... We shall reap if we faint not, that is, if we cease not to sow. So, brethren, when we realize that true Christian abundance is dependent on God multiplying our seeds sown, as in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 states, we must also remember that the magnitude of our abundance is directly related to the amount of seeds that we sow. And this fact 
points out in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, which states, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So, based on the doctrinal foundation shell, and with the sincerest hope, I am hoping that one finds some answers to the questions based on what I will be sharing today concerning accessing or Christ promised abundant life, which our Lord promised us in John chapter 10, verse 10. Now, I'll be going into the four valid reasons as we speak. So is it not indeed paradoxical that God who owns the entire universe should desire that his creatures, even the poorest among us, give to his cause? To every right-thinking person, this must be surely confusing. And yet, anyone with a fair knowledge of the Bible would have long discovered that Notwithstanding the fact that God owns it all, he still desires the gifts of his creatures, even from the poorest ones. This being the case, there must be some valid reasons for this paradox. Now, although I do not claim to have all the answers for same, I am convinced that there are at least four valid reasons why all of humanity should give to God's cause. And reason number one goes like this. Reason number one entails the law of gratitude requires it. And I will now give an explanation pertaining to the law of gratitude requiring it. Accordingly, the first reason why we should give to God is this. God never demands anything from anyone except or until he first makes that requested thing available to his creatures. Therefore, when God demands anything of us, he is, in effect, testing our attitude in the virtue of gratitude towards him. In this regard, the psalmist David truly mirrored the mind of God when he wrote four times in Psalm 107, the following verse. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So that can be found in Psalm 107 verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. So from the quote that I just gave, therefore, it can be easily seen that God expects us to be grateful for his being bountiful to us. Yes, he gave us breath so that we might praise him. That's found in Psalm 150 verse 6. King David mastered the giving of praise and received abundant revelations as a consequence. So because of what was just shared, we know that praise is the first gift that we owe him. And this can be confirmed by reading Psalm chapter 96, verses 1 to 9, which I'm about to read now. And it goes like this. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. 
sing unto the Lord all the earth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. So that's Psalm chapter 96, verses 1, verse 4, and verse 7 to 9. So from the above linkage of praising God, with the giving of one's gifts to him, we know that true worship involves not only the due lavishing of praise on God, but also the giving of gifts to him, as we read in Psalm chapter 96, from verses 8 to 9. May we never forget this fact. Now the proud and the selfish would neither praise God nor give to his cause. For where pride and selfishness abound, praise and selflessness can never be around. But to ensure our fellowship, we must never forget to worship. And time saints, one fact that humanity should understand is this. Our gifts can never make God richer than he ever was or ever shall be. But to praise him, we should. For it will surely rebound to our good. This fact is clearly stated in the following text. As the finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise, which is taken from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21. Moreover, on this question of gratitude, David also wrote the following, which is taken from Psalm chapter 136. I'll be reading from verses 1 to 3 and verse 25 to 26. And it goes like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. So that's Psalm 136, verses 1 to 3, and verses 12, 25 to 26. Brethren, because God deserves and desires the praises of his creatures, he communicated same to David, who further wrote the following. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. So that's Psalm, verse, Psalm chapter 50 from verses 14 to 15. So now my question is, can anything be more rewarding to us based on what was shared today? So honestly, I do not know of any. Now, brethren, it all boils down to this. One is either grateful or unthankful. But of this, we must be forever mindful. 
God's blessings to man have been truly bountiful. And for this, we should be forever grateful. Therefore, when God desires of us that we give, he is simply taking steps to ensure that we live. In this, God is indeed shrewd. For giving simply tests one's attitude in the virtue of gratitude. So I'm now going into reason number two, which states the law of ownership demands it. And this is my explanation for it. Then too, on this matter of giving to God, the question of ownership comes into sharp focus and give rise to the following relevant question. And the question is this. How is the ownership of a kingdom established and maintained? And the answer to this question is an elementary one indeed. And the answer goes like this. For the ownership and maintenance of all earthly kingdoms are established and secured by the collection of taxes, levies, licenses, and other statutory rates. And the paying of these dues that I mentioned are to the kingdom is totally unrelated to the payer's affection or disaffection for the kingdom or its king. In the kingdom of God, however, Christians enjoy a different status from that enjoyed by the citizenry of any earthly kingdom. For, instead of being subjects, we enjoy the elevated status of being sons and daughters. This being the case, we are under no legal compulsion to pay tribute. Instead, we are expected to demonstrate willingly our love for our king and his kingdom by our free will sacrificial gifts to the king's cause moreover brethren is it not an established fact that the principle of ownership demands that we pay for the goods and services that we use and sometimes abuse the land we own we are allowed to keep so long as we remember to pay our taxes and the houses that we sacrifice to acquire can be auctioned away from us if we fail to meet our monthly payments our water rates or taxes our vehicles are allowed to remain on the roads as long as we pay our licenses the same is true with respect to the use of electricity telephone or heating fuel and we gladly and sometimes sadly pay for these amenities even at great sacrifices at times and we and pay we should on the other hand brethren have you ever stopped to consider that the air we breathe the sea baths we enjoy the sunshine that sustains life the rain that ensures plant growth the sky in which we fly and all the natural scenic beauty that we so freely enjoy were all made by god and given to us at no cost at all 
undoubtedly, most of us take all these God-given blessings for granted. Now, if it is reasonable for us to pay all that I just mentioned, these governmental dues, for the services that are provided for the citizenry, is it unreasonable for the creator of this universe to expect that we return some fraction of our substance to further his cause on earth? No, not at all. For even an atheist will agree that this is a reasonable and even a desirable proposition. Well, brethren, it is surely reasonable for God to expect us to subscribe financially to his cause. With this, brethren, you must agree. In addition to what I just shared, the beautiful thing about God is this. Whereas the law of ownership demands that taxes, rates, and levies be regularly paid, if we are to benefit from our main on the properties, if we are to benefit from or remain on the properties we own, God, on the other hand, does not evict us or otherwise prevent us from enjoying his sunshine or rain, his fresh air, his rivers, hills, or plains. For he created all for humanity. Now, I would say, what a loving God. And what a loving God we serve. Because of these facts, we must always remember that the law of ownership demands that we subscribe financially to the cause of the owner of this universe. For we all know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So that's read from Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. Reason number three deals with the life of abundant living is only maintained by the law of abundant giving. And that goes like this. The third reason why one should give to God is this. The life of abundant living swings on the hinges of abundant giving. Therefore, when we give to God's cause, we activate the law of abundance which is also known as the law of sowing and reaping, which was established by God himself. In so doing, we place ourselves in a strategic position where we are assured of continual blessings. This law of abundance by all can be proven, for God is no respecter of persons. To you then that profess to love the Lord, please listen to this timely word. You can break your cycle of poverty once you master the law of liberality. For as 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 states, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, the question that I would ask is this. How does this law work? And the answer to that question is this. Well, fortunately for us, 
we can learn how it works by the following quotes given to saint paul by the holy ghost and that quote is taken from second corinthians chapter 9 verse 10 which states now he that ministered seed to the sower meaning you both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed meaning your gifts sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness now let us look at this law from an ecological perspective in order to justify its veracity does not nature itself teach us that if we keep cutting down our forests without replacing them that after a while we would neither have forests food water wildlife nor life at all and are we not paying today for violating this natural principle set in motion by god by taking out without replacing something in return and the answer to that is yes we are for so great is this curse on planet earth today that the preservation of our god-given environment has earned for itself an early spot on the agenda of almost all international conferences so from what was shared above brethren it must be clear to all that the law of receiving turns on the hinges of giving this law was set in motion by god himself therefore wisdom demands that his creatures follow in his steps if they ever hope to be blessed this is one law that you can put to test for as far as the biblical records show abraham was the first individual to worship god with his tithes as we read in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. And for that noble gesture, he was blessed beyond measure. Just look at Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 to 3, and you would undoubtedly agree with me. Accordingly, the following text states, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. That's Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. So moreover, Job also provides us with a perfect example of the fruits of this divine principle of sowing and reaping. And one can read Job chapter 31, verses 16 to 20, then chapter 42, verses 10 to 12. To be sure, Jesus himself popularized this law. And for us, Luke communicated this score when he wrote in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, which states, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with her, it shall be measured to you again. Therefore, brethren, it is surely not too late. If his abundant blessings you wish to partake, for you can easily break your cycle of poverty once you consistently practice the law of liberality. Now, with this advice, you need not agree. Just practice it and its blessed results you will surely see. So the last reason, which is reason number four, which covers the law of love, compels it. So 
Finally, brethren, the fourth reason why we should give to God is simply because we love him. For we are all agreed, no doubt, that we can give without loving. This fact was clearly stated in my preface where we saw that one's giving could be motivated by the desire to soften one's client for some immediate or future drawdown, but we are all likewise agreed that while one may give without loving, it is surely impossible to love without giving. And the truth of this fact can be easily seen as one considers John chapter 3, verse 16, which states, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that quote surely mirrors the depth of God's love for humanity. To be sure, brethren, he could have easily created another couple to replace Adam and Eve, but he chose instead the love root and sacrificed his only begotten son to purchase our redemption. Can anyone who truly grasps the magnitude of God's love displayed by the giving of his only begotten son fail to be positively constrained to subscribe financially to God's cause again and again? I doubt very much that this can happen. For those who truly value God's forgiveness and goodness, we surely do no less than what Mary did to Jesus prior to his sacrificial death. For beyond duty's call, she gave him her call, as we read in Matthew chapter 26, verse 7 to 13. Yes, brethren, the proof of our being his disciples is demonstrated by our love manifested in giving cycles. Proof of this fact can be seen by reading John's first epistle, quoted below for your convenience. And that's... First John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, which states, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down, meaning or gave, his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso have his world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So that's 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. So from what was shared, therefore, it should be clearly understood that while it is possible to give without loving, it should be likewise abundantly clear that the love of God in the believer demands that he shares his worldly possessions with his less fortunate brethren. This fact can be verified by reading the following relevant texts which are Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 45, Acts chapter 4, verses 34 to 35, and 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Therefore, if in God's abundant life you aspire to live, please meditate upon these four valid reasons why you should always endeavor to give. And number one reason, the law of gratitude demands that we give to God's cause. So read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 as confirmation. The second reason, the law of ownership requires that we support the creator's business. That's Psalm chapter 50, verses 9 to 15, 
and Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. The third reason, the law of abundant living demands that we invest in God's plan if we ever hope to expand. So that's Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 to 10 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 8. And the final reason, number 4, the law of love of God in us demands that we give to his children who are our spiritual brethren. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. So as I come to a close of this segment today, now while there might be other valid reasons why you should give, my prayer to God is that you earnestly consider the four that I've mentioned today. So end time saints, to the one who inquired of Jesus how he could live forever, Jesus told him, among other things, to be a royal giver. So you can read Matthew chapter 19, verse 21 as confirmation. Therefore, if in God's abundance you earnestly desire to live, you should always consider the four reasons shared today why you should give. And although they were written before my time, their importance dictates that they be stated once more. So poetically put, the following therefore, speaks loudly to the point and this little small poem goes like this the law of gratitude demands it while the law of ownership requires it surely the law of abundant supply dictates it while the law of love commands it so as i close therefore my dearly beloved christian brethren it should be clear to you by now that if you truly learn to give in god's abundance you will surely, surely live. For the principles shared today are not wishful thinking, but divine laws that will guarantee your abundant living. So that's the end of my segment today, brethren. I will be live next Sunday again. Now, thank you for actually supporting me. But brethren, I ask that you prepare yourselves for Jesus Christ's return because he will be returning and he will be returning soon. Please spend time in the world. Strengthen yourselves in the world. Find persons around you that are on the same path and go with you spiritually so you all will both be able to strengthen each other so that we can prepare ourselves for what lies ahead. Have a blessed and productive week, everyone. Remember, Jesus Christ loves you. I love you. Stay safe and blessed. So bye for now. I will be live next Sunday again.